Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord. As Brother Allen said, a happy new, again, say Happy New Year's to everyone. It is the first Sunday of 2022. But today, I'm, if you would turn with me to the text that Brother Allen's already read, but I want to read it again. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We're starting a new series this month, and it's standing on the promises of God. And today, we're going to talk about receiving these promise. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of the country, and thy kindred, and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse them that curseth thee. And thee shall, thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. If we will, join me in prayer today. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Anoint this service right now, Lord Jesus. I ask you to anoint everyone that's here today, to anoint the words, Lord Jesus, that comes from my mouth today, Lord Jesus, and goes to each one today. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today through the remainder part of this service, Lord Jesus. I ask you to touch us in Jesus' name today. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God blesses all people who have faith in him. People are, people are, I'm just putting me in there anyway, we're professional promise makers. You know, here we are in New Year. The New Year's Day was just yesterday, and how many people made what we call New Year's resolutions? We made promises to our body. Here, I probably made. I made some. My wife, me, and my wife was Friday after Friday night. We were sitting before we went to bed and was talking about what we were going to do better in the new year. And one of the first things I said was, "I'm going to try to eat better." So I made a promise to this flesh that I was going to try to put what goes in my mouth better this year than I have other times in life. We, asked, we also, we made promises. Some of us may have prayed promises to God that we're going to be a, have a better prayer life. Or, so so we, all, we all make promises. and We're all professional promise makers. But we make hundreds of promises every day. But most of the time, we just only keep a handful of them. Yeah. During our next Every year at our birthday, we look closely at the gift table. You may not, you may not see a gift, but you, but it is there. That's that is skepticism. In life, as we as we get older, every as every birthday we have as every as we get older and older, the older we get, we see we get more skeptical. We are jaded when someone makes us a promise. How many times have we had someone to make us a promise and? and them not follow through with that promise. How many of didn't keep that promise? If you're a parent or like, I remember when I was thinking about this, and sometimes in my life when Jerrica was younger, and she said many times, she says, Dad, can I have a puppy? 
and she has three dogs of her own now as she's an adult, so she knows exactly all about these responsibilities of a puppy. But, but she'd always say, Dad, if I want to, just let me have this puppy. I promise I'll take care of him. I will feed him. I'll bathe him. I'll take care of you. I promise, Dad, he won't be no problem. But the truth is, is without being her mother, this baby would have, this puppy would have been without a water and wouldn't have been fed very often. So we find, you know, these promises as a child. As a child, we have that promise. Just let me do this. I promise I'll take care of it. As parents, we've made our children promises. We promised, said things like this. Maybe the, this medicine tastes good. This medicine tastes like bubble gum. I promise. We are the parents. You know, we always tell the truth. And so our kids, most of the time, you know, they believe us because we do tell, they look at us as we're the parent. And when we say we promise, we're the first ones, we guide them. Our trusting child, they open their mouth and they take down the tablespoon of bubblegum tasting medicine and they head off to bed. So sometimes in life, you know, our promises, we teach your children when we promise you something. We teach them something. Men and women stand love struck at an altar and make promises. Just almost just a few months from now, in 30 years, me and my wife stood right in front of this first this this pulpit, and we made promises to each other that we would love, honor, and cherish one another. A promise that every married couple are fully intent on keeping. But as the bills pile higher, as life gets tougher. Many times the bride and groom forget to love, honor, and cherish. They forget some of them promises they, they, they promised each other. More promises flies during campaign times. We look at life, you know, we look at with, with, with politicians. We look at these promises that's made. Politicians make enough promises to fill the buses that carries them from stop to stop. But politicians don't most of the time don't keep very many of these promises. We live in a world that promises, we live, as older we get, as I said earlier, older we get, the promises just, we can get jaded in that because so many promises are broken in our life. As we grow up, we grow to realize promises made is not always a promise kept. Humans do not always keep their promises. But we're not talking about promises that we make today. In Numbers 23 and 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is he a son of man that he should, have, he should repent. Hath he said, I shall, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall it not be make it, a, make it good? Today, who are we talking about in 1 Kings? Blessed is the Lord that he hath rest upon the people. Israel, according to all that he has promised, there hath not failed one word of all his great promises. When he, if he's promised you something today, not one word of that promise will not come true. He cannot rest assured. We can rest assured when God makes us promises, he will make good on his promise. Let's just ask our friend Abram. We've been talking about him. Brother Allen talked about him. Brother Abram, in his life, he, he, had, he was made a promise from God. And his day on this day began just like any other day. Abram woke up, slipped on his robe and his slippers, opened up the tent flap, 
with a cup of the finest Canaan coffee in his hand. Maybe he, would have, maybe he was going to go out today and till the ground. Or maybe he was going to go out and mend a fence or something. He had a, he had a plan for that day. Him and his sweetheart, Sarai, had been living on his father's farm for a while now and it had became home to them. They were living, in a, living the comfort life. Sometimes we find ourselves like Abram and Sarai. We find ourselves living in this life comfortable when everything was starting to fall in place in their life. And during that day, Abram heard a voice speak to him. It was coming from God. And I just want to paraphrase in this story where Abram has found, God spoke to Abram and told him to leave his home, leave his country, leave his father's house, leave his farm and his home and start walking where God was leading him. God God did not give him a turn-by-turn direction. He didn't give him the GPS coordinates to where he was going. He just said, you leave and walk. God asked Abraham to trust what he would show him, and he would show him where to walk. God's first command by leaving his country was coupled with God's first promise to Abraham. He said, I will make you a great nation. That must have, been a, must, have been, must have been like music to Abram's ears. Here he was, I'm gonna make you a great nation. Abram was just one man and he hadn't very far in the alphabet like Brother Allen. But God was going to multiply Abram's influence to make him a great nation. It is one thing to have be the mayor of a city. It's another thing to be the governor of the state of Florida. But he was going to be the father of a nation. No doubt in Abram's mind this would take an act of God. Today, you know, here we were sitting around here, you know, we would, if if God was to speak to us and say, I'm going to make you a father of a nation, we look around at our our substance and we look around at what we have in our place or or what we look around at our abilities, we know that would have to be something from God. God was not finished loading up his gift table yet. He said, I will make you a blessing of, of all the families of the earth. Not only was you going to be a blessed blessed man, but you're going to be a blessing to everyone else. Genesis 2, in verse of the same verse I read in the beginning, he says, and I will make you, make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thee, thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And the last part of that verse is, he says, and in thee shall the families of the earth be blessed. He said, I'm just going to, I'm, you're not just going to be blessed for just you and your household. When I bless you, you're going to be blessed everywhere else. God was looking for a man who he could bless and that he could bless others through. And today I'm here talking to people in front of me today that God is wanting to bless you, not just to bless you, but to bless everyone else. God's plan from the beginning was to bless Abram so God could bless the others through Abraham. Abram. God's blessings are not only for us, they are for everyone else around us. When God blesses us in a service, it's not only for us to enjoy that exuberant worship. When God blesses us in a service, when God tells you to stand up and raise your hands, I feel like when you do that, it's not just for you. If God tells you to run across this front of this aisle, that, that might not be for you today. Yeah, it may... You know, you may, you may feel good when you get through, but that may be for someone else. Right. When I was studying this and reading this, I remember Brother Elder Gibson, when his health had failed him, 
And he stood there and he says, I may not be running like y'all or everyone else. Or I may not be jumping very high. But inside I'm jumping. When I see other people worship, I get blessed. And I remember that when he was him saying them words. He says, so if, if when you feel like worshiping, worship. Because there may be someone here that's not physically able to worship. And you maybe need to worship for them. You may be that they may not can jump as high as they used to jump. They may not be able to run as fast as they used to run. But when you run, they can feel that, feel get blessed because you're doing that for them. God fills us up with his spirit so we can pour out us unto others and give them a taste of what it's like to be spirit-filled. Spirit-led child, like a spirit-led child of God. Just as we have been wrong, just as we've been done wrong for Abram to hoard all of God's blessings, it's just that wrong for us. It's just as wrong for us to sit back and sit on what God has given, given us. To, I sit sometimes in sun, on services. Sometimes we come in and we, we feel tired. The older I get, I have more aches than, than I did yesterday. Sometimes we don't feel like worshiping. But when God's spirit is falling out, we need to worship. We need to worship because we don't know who else may be watching. And we, we may be that example that they're waiting for. If they may be saying and sitting their thing praying, if just one more person leaves their pew, I'll go to the altar. And so God is wanting to use us today to reach others and reach them. We need to keep our ears, to, ears open to hear God's voice, our hands open to receive God's blessings, and our hearts open to share, share God's goodness. Here, we, must be, we, we must be open to what God wants to do through us. And I think God, is wanted, he wanted to bless Abram so Abram could bless others around him. And I believe that's what our calling is today. We're not here as a church. We're not here to sit on a pew. We're not here to just check our attendance. We're here to where God can pour his spirit through us, not just into us. And I think that's where we find ourselves so many times as selfish in our life. We come to church just to get filled up. And we should be coming to church so God can fill us up to be poured out. And so many times, you know, we would talk about the cup that runneth over. And that's where we should be praying. We should not be praying, God, just make me through this service. Don't allow me just to make it another week. God, pour your spirit into me that it runs over. And it runs over to where it runs into everyone else. And it affects people around me on the job. And affects people around me in the supermarket. And we need to be filled up to the place in our life that, that God is pouring his spirit through us, not just into us. Abraham, here, God told Abraham to leave his home and leave his relatives. Abraham packed his things as quickly as he could. Today, you know, we look at Sarai. She walked into the tent, and in my imagination, and she, she finds her husband packing up the house. We find her packing up the house, and when he should have been out mending the fence, or he should have been out taking care of the flock. And here he is mending the fence. I can see Sarah saying, Hun, what are you doing? I know what my wife would have been doing if I'd because she'd come home from school one afternoon and I was in the house packing the house and said we're moving. Be like some other wives are would probably be. They walk in their house and their husband was supposed to be at work and here she comes home and they're packing the house up and they says, Where are we going? I don't know. God said, leave. He'd tell us where to go. Talking to the women today, what would you think if your husband was packing the house up and he don't know where we're going? 
He don't have a destination. Would your wife just follow you blindly? That's <laughs> it. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but we find ourselves, you know, we, we find that that is a that would be a hard sale to sell. But God will just show us the way. God will lead us and direct us. Abraham just said, I'm leaving, and she followed him. Abraham could hardly contain himself. He said, I do not know where we're going, but God spoke to me and told me to leave my country and leave my father's house and just start walking. He would show us the way. He's going to bless me and make me a, my name great. He says, people are going to know my name. But he was more impressive He was because God was going to bless him. And he's going to bless me and all the families of the earth through me. All that I got off my notes. Although Adam, Abram fully trusted God, he, not, he, he did not fully obey God. God's command was clear. He says, leave your father's house and leave your father's family also. But Abraham had a nephew that he wanted to bring along with him. He brought along his nephew Lot. Not long into the walk, Abraham's herd and the herdsmen grew with, grew with a lot it also grew. The herdsmen feuded and each of them, Abraham suggested they split up. And we know the story that Lot chose the well-watered plains of Sodom. And before long, Lot moved into Sodom. We, find, we know the things, but we know, in Gen, however, in Genesis records the first red flag of Lot going along with Abram. That he, he, he said that when he dwelt with his tents pitched towards Sodom, that was the first red flag. Eventually, Lot moved himself into Sodom, but God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know the story of that. I'm just kind of skipping through that, but two angels have rescued Lot and his, went to and rescued Lot and his daughters. They escaped only out of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. That is where we last hear of Lot. But Abraham continued walking with the walking of faith without Lot and his herdmen. Now he's where he, God wanted him, with just him and his wife. We must obey God completely. Good, God does not, does not grade obedience on a curve. Partial obedience is disobedience. We can't say, well, I'm just, I'm doing mostly what God told me to do. Because if we're not fully obeying God, we're being disobedient. God is not impressed with when we are 99% obedient to him. Sometimes we say, well, I think, well, we're okay because we're doing mostly what God wanted me to do. I'm 99% sold out. God's not impressed with that. Disobedience is costly. God kept all his promises he made to Abraham, but Abraham ended up fighting battles that he was not supposed to fight. We find Abraham, he fought with a sword once. He fought with prayers and other times to save Lot's life. God knew Lot would not be like Abram, and if Abram had obeyed God fully, he would not have he'd avoided some unnecessary battles and heartache in his life. Sometimes when we don't do exactly what God wants for us, we bring on some baggage. And that's what Abraham had brought. He brought on some baggage with him. God told him to leave alone. 
just you and your wife. And here he brought baggage along. And so now he, he faced battles and he faced heartaches that he wasn't supposed to, supposed to face. We too must obey God completely. The Bible is filled with men and women throughout the very, from the front to the back of people that obeyed God partially, but they paid a high price because they ended up fighting battles that they were not supposed to fight. God does not bark orders just to see us sweat. He doesn't just, just, just give us things that we can't do just to, just to see us squirm. As a good father, he knows our best. When he asks us to do something, he's asking us to leave. He's not doing that just to, to, to take things away from us because he's the only one that knows what we're going to face in the future. When he, he tells us to, he separates us from things in life, he's separating us for a reason. He's separating us from people. In my life, there's people that I had to separate from because and if I, didn't, I hadn't separated from them, God knew where I was going. And so I had to separate them. When God speaks to you the next time, I ask you to obey him completely. In my life, I found myself in life, found myself where I didn't obey him completely. And I'm just like, just like Abram. I found times, went through some things I feel like in my life that I shouldn't have or wouldn't have had to go through. He speaks to us through his word, through a preacher, through a song, through, through our prayer time. God speaks to us to the people who are listening. If you're listening to God, he will speak to you. When he speaks to you, when he speaks, let us hear him and let us obey him. God spoke again and reminded Abraham of his promise that he had made him to him 24 years earlier. Anybody waited on a promise for a while? And at this time, God gave Abraham a gift. Long before sonograms, ultrasounds, Ultrasounds, God told Abraham that they would have a son and told him even when. Just as God promised and when, when God, and when God's promise came true, Abraham and Sarah found themselves sitting in their tent holding their baby boy named Isaac. They received God's promise by faith because our faith, faithfulness, God keeps his promises. Faith can be a tricky tightrope though sometimes. When we can we can fall off a tight fall off the tightrope of faith in two different sides. Some te- sometimes people confuse faith with laziness. God makes them a promise and they do nothing, thinking God will do everything. They call it waiting on God. God promised me this. I'm just going to wait on Him. God is waiting on them to do what they can until he will do what he can, they cannot do and that only he can do. If God promises is going to save your family, do not just wait for him to do what he can only do. We have to do things. If God, sometimes some promises God gives us, there's part of it we have to take care of. Start praying for them. Start sharing your testimony of God's goodness with them. Watch the, and then watch him do what you cannot do. In life, we find ourselves, you know, in life, we, we, we're called to reach the lost in our world. And we talk about this great revival. We want to have a revival in church, but what are we doing to accomplish that? We say, why is not, we're not seeing the miracles or why don't we know we're not seeing God's spirit being poured out? Is that part of the reason because we're just sitting waiting on God? 
Are we, are, we, are, we do, are we doing our part? Abraham did not have this problem. He fell off the tightrope on the other side. He was, he was probably where I would find myself. He tried to speed God alone. Eleven years after God had first spoken to him, Abraham felt like he had waited long enough. Some people have not have patience to wait on God. There's some things we have to do, but also there's times in life that we do have to wait on God. He had waited a decade plus one year, so he had a, so he had had a, he had a son through his wife's servant, Hagar, but that was not God's intention. As far as Abram knew, he and Sarah were supposed to have a bouncing baby boy, but he stepped on the tightrope of, stepped off the tightrope of faith and had his son with another woman. Ishmael was his name. He was the father of, Ab- of the Arab nations. Isaac was the promised son, and he's the father of the Jewish nations. Because of Abraham's disobedience, both of these two families are still feuding over 4,000 years later. One disobedience. The Middle East, you can look on the head on the news today. I didn't even look at the news this morning, but you can probably look at the news today, and these two families are feuding. Because of one disobedience. Sometimes in life, Abram did not have the benefit of the Bible like we do. We have the highlight reel of God's faithfulness and his power. We see where God opened the seas. We see where God shut the mouth of the lions. He danced in the fire. He touched the leopards. He healed the sick. He forgave sinners. He made the lame to walk. Is anything too hard for the Lord? This is the question God asked Abraham. Is this the question he still, he asks us here today? He said, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go into the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and will bless all to others. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That was the promise, great promise that God gave to Abraham. But 25 years later, he was still holding on to that promise. God makes him a quarter of a century earlier. Nine chapters fill the space between the time God made his promise and the time he performed it. Just as sure as God kept the promise he made to Abram in his life, God will keep all the promises he's made to you in your life. If God has made you a promise today, we still got to hold that promise. We look at life and we look at things in life. We've, God's made us promises. And sometimes in that life of that promise, we find ourselves being like Abram. Doing one of two things. Just sitting down waiting on it or being like Abram and trying to speed the process up. But today, if God has made you a promise, I ask you today, are you still holding on to that promise? God is the promise keeper. If you're still waiting on God to perform that today, I ask you today, if, you, if, you, if, you, if God's ever made you a promise today, I'll ask, ask you to raise your hands. Are you still waiting on that promise to come forth? Keep your hand in the air today. If you're waiting on for God to give you an apology or an explanation why your promise hadn't came true yet, you're waiting on the wrong thing.
Today, sometimes in life, we find ourselves struggling when God, we feel like God has promised us something. And we feel like that promise didn't come true in our timing. If not careful, we can lose out with God. God has gave us that promise. And if we'll be faithful to him, he will, he will honor his promise. We may be 25 years down the road before we get that promise. Or we may be more further down than what we think in our life. But we find ourselves struggling, waiting on God sometimes. Because we, get, we, get, we want things right now in our life. God has promised you something. And all you need to do is what God told Abram to do. And that is walk before the Lord and trust him. So many times in life, you know, we, we have, I have, I have, what are we talking about myself today? I have a problem so many times in life when I don't see it with my eyes coming forth or see how it can happen with my eyes. I lose faith. I wonder how I, I can accomplish that or how is God going to accomplish that? I try to work it out for him. But all, all God's asking me to do is just keep walking true. Walking faithful and trusting. He will not be, he won't apologize for his promises. Because in life, sometimes we, we go through things in life, you know, God promises us some things. He's not going to apologize for what we have to give up for our promise. He, he didn't apologize to Abraham and Sarah for leaving his family. As I said earlier, you know, that had to be a hard time to leave. Here he was packing up everything that he owned, packed up his comfort of his home. Packed up everything that he owned and walked out on a road he didn't even know where he was going. But God didn't apologize to Abram for that because he had a promise that was worth the sacrifice. And here today, I'm telling someone today, God has promised you something and it's worth the sacrifice. Whatever it takes to make that promise come true, you must do that. We need to remember the probing question. God asked Abraham to answer. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard? We're talking about the Lord that spoke, the God that spoke everything to an existence. And sometimes we look, we look at life and we look at our life problems. Problems in my life, I look at my problems and I say, I don't see how this can be accomplished. But I forget who, who, who God is. There's nothing impossible to God. We need to ask God to let us, let us know if there's anything that we should be doing while we're waiting on him to do what he has promised to us. Our prayer, every day when we pray, we should say, when we're waiting on our promise, we should be praying, Lord, show me that if there's anything that I need to be doing. Lead me and guide me. Show me what's my responsibilities. You know, when we take a job, sometimes we ask that question. What is my responsibility? What do I need to take care of? What am I going to be held accountable for? And I think God has got, we have a list of things sometimes in life that God is going to hold some things, us accountable for some things before he gives us our promise. And so today, I ask us today, that should be our prayer every day is, Lord, show me what is my, what is my things that I have to be held accountable for. Show me what, what, what is my things that I need to be doing. We need to pray for God to bolster our faith to believe that what he promised, he will surely perform. And that should be in our prayer every day. We should pray that God will give me the, the, the faith to believe what, that it will come true.
It is easy to forget how faithful our God is when we're sitting in a hospital room listening to monitors and machines working. It's hard, it's easy to forget our faithfulness when we're sitting at the, on the couch and the bills are piling up and we don't have the money to pay them. It's, it's easy to be, forget how faithful God is when we're sitting on the front row in a funeral. And I know that's, this is sobering, but it's easy to forget how faithful our God is when there's time, when things is not going just right in our life. When things in our life is not just falling into place. When things with the promises is not just happening like we think they're going to happen. It's easy to lose our faith. At these times, we can remember God's promise. And we must ask it out loud. Is there anything too hard for our God? That should be our question every day. When we start feeling like the world is crumbling in around us and our promises is never going to come true, we should reach out and say this verbally. Say, is there anything too hard for my God? The God that spoke the world into existence. The God that did this and that in our life. We find ourselves, sometimes in life, we find ourselves being overwhelmed into things. But is there anything too hard for God? As we receive the promises, we must pray that prayer every day. We will find out what Abraham found out. What God promises, he is also able to perform. In life, you know, we find ourselves in this here case. It doesn't matter how bad the world, life gets around us. If we will hold on to what God gave us. God will perform his promises. Today, as I begin to close, I ask us today, as we stand across this place, if you have a promise in your life today, I ask us today, are you still waiting on God? Do you have faith that that promise can come true? Today as we reach, reach up, and as I asked the question earlier, today if you have a, raise your hand today if you have a promise from God. And keep that hand up today if that promise hadn't came true. Today if we have that, we need to pray that prayer today. Is there anything too hard for God? And I'm here today to tell you not that. Let us pray right now that God will answer us. God will give us the faith right now and let us make an altar where we stand today that God will touch us and anoint us and give us faith to carry us forward through this, this life and keep us through us to our promises received, Lord. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Lord, minister right now, Lord Jesus, to each one that's in this place, Lord. Lord Jesus, allow everyone here today that has the the promise from you, Lord. Lord, give them the faith, Lord Jesus, the boaster, Lord Jesus, the faith, Lord, to go through this, Lord. And Lord, give them direction of what they're accountable for. Lord Jesus, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Lord Jesus, move upon us today, Lord Jesus, in this service. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.